You are listening to the Senior Agent Podcast. This podcast is for insurance agents that are helping America's seniors with their financial choices. Here is your host, Christopher Westfall. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Westfall, joined with... Eugene Marchenko. Thank you. And we are here for this episode today. hold on a second. We're not supposed to be looking at the cameras. This is a podcast. I was just going to welcome them. Yeah, forget them. So, Eugene... (laughs) Uh, we were talking recently about the the vast shift that we've come through in just the last five years with agents that we've seen change their marketing direction from everything from knocking on doors, cold calling, telemarketing, online stuff. Mm. And there are some things that we were discussing that we've seen the high producing, very successful agents that we hear from all the time. And they're telling us what they're doing. And then we also see, unfortunately, those agents who don't employ those same things. So I think it would be helpful to our audience to talk about some of the things that have made the successful people successful and the unsuccessful people unsuccessful. What would you think the the top on those lists would be? So, you know, I've been doing insurance now for almost 10 years since 2010 is when I got my license and um, way before I could grow facial hair. (laughs) And the the biggest thing that I learned very early on was that it was not about the lead. It was not about the conversations you were having. It was not about um, whether you were doing it right, you were doing it wrong, whether all my contracts were in place. None of that stuff. It was pick up the phone and call the next person. And that's what it was. And my first year, I struggled to grasp what it was to be self-employed, having to not have a boss tell me what to do or what not to do, and me holding myself accountable. And so the first year I struggled with the idea of being self-employed, mm-hmm. but the once I figured it out, what I figured out was not one lead worked, not one conversation is going to be the perfect conversation. What worked was me walking into the office, setting my appointments, and this is when I used to drive to my appointments, and then drive to my appointments and just have as many imperfect conversations as I could while I was ironing out the wrinkles. And that was 10 years ago, you know, when you started telesales when? 12 years ago now. But you were probably the only one doing it. Yeah. And I I didn't know anything about it. The only thing I knew about telesales was scheduling an appointment, and then you had to go physically mm-hmm. see them. And, man, we've come a long way. Well, you were training agents, too. I mean, you were taking them in the field, and you would see, again, some would work and mm-hmm. some would not. What was the greatest difference in their um, behavior that would lead one to go either one of those extremes? So the first thing was how hungry they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they were broke, I mean, I'm talking about they used their last money mm-hmm. in their checking account to fill up their car to drive to the office. I mean, I remember having to give somebody 40 bucks so that way they could drive to their appointments for the week. Wow. Be, otherwise, they wouldn't work. So you had the really, really, really broke agent person mm-hmm. who's trying to be an agent. And that person can do it too, as long as they have that mental 
they're in the right mental state of mind of, hey, I'm up against the wall, I have to do something. And then you had the other side where their spouse had a really good career, was trying to kick them out of the house. They had to do something. Well, it's insurance. You know, I just kind of do it whenever I want to do it yeah. and not do it when I don't want to do it. There was no motivation. So you had the motivation but no money. And then you had no motivation and didn't care about money. Right. And the agent in between was the agent that needed to make money, needed to support their family, had enough saved up to where they can really, really focus on their business mm -hmm. and wasn't limited to a nine to five. As soon as they got out of that nine to five mentality, if they were coming into work at 905 and they were looking at their watch, when's one going to be here so I can go get lunch or whatever, that guy's not going to be successful. Yeah. Uh, but you know, before I started training people, I sold insurance and I wanted, I perfected, I wanted to be at the top of my game. And I've always been a believer in leading from the front and managing from the back. So you want to show them, you want to set the example of how to do it, but then you manage from the back by saying, hey, what can I do to help you? And so the, all these people that have come through my office, they weren't doing it how I told them to do it. They were doing it because they saw me do it. And so you're right, when I was training people, I would have them sit with me side by side while I made the calls. I'd get them on the phone, get them comfortable on the phone. We did it together, then we jumped in the car and <clears throat> I had them write out a script of what I was gonna say and then had them pay attention to what I was saying in the household and and I and I taught by doing you know and that and that you see all these gurus now all these people trying to sell leads now who did it for nine months or did it for two years or did it for five years and all of a sudden that they're in, they're so good at selling insurance that they stop selling insurance to start selling leads yeah it's amazing and that doesn't make sense and so that's that's the evolution of the agent is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the people who are all in it, 100%, do whatever it takes, and they don't care about the lead that comes in. That's the agent that was successful. When I was sold the idea of being working for yourself but not by yourself, mm -hmm. which is the 1099 subcontractor but you're a captive agent, so I was drinking that Kool-Aid for a little bit. And they're like, yeah, we'll provide you leads. Of course, I didn't know the contracts and all this stuff, what they look like. But it doesn't matter. I had to start somewhere. And so I, I would get a batch of leads, and I was excited to call them. Later, I'd find out that those leads were four, five, six years old. Wow. Direct mail leads, because the direct mail was drying out. I mean, we went from two, three percent down to like half a percent. Mm. I think each piece of paper was worth like $70 when it got to me. But when you're new, you don't get those really good leads. Right. You get the really bad leads. And when I say bad leads, I mean, in my opinion of what is good and what is bad, uh, fresh or not fresh. And so I made a really good living 
selling leads that were three, four, five, and six years old. And when I got a new lead, it was just like gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did everything I could to work that lead. So you kind of cut your teeth on rekindling what they were interested in mm -hmm. maybe years ago. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I love how Les Brown has always said, you got to be hungry. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge differentiator. Yeah, and and I, I was very hungry. Uh, I had just bought a house. I had had my child. So actually, I didn't buy a house before I started selling insurance. I started selling insurance, and then I bought a house, and then I became hungrier. And then we, we had a child, and I became really hungry. And then I wanted a car, so I became even hungrier. And the biggest advice that my manager gave me was go get a payment somewhere. <laughs> If you are very comfortable in your financial situation and you need some kind of motivation, then find what that motivation is and then work towards it. If you are really, really, really broke, but you want to start your own business, you don't quit what's making you money right now. You still do your nine to five, but you know what? In the East Coast here, let's say I come home. I end work at 5, I come home at 5.30, I have dinner at 6, I see my family for half an hour. So now we're at 6.30, 7 o'clock. 7, 6, 5, 4. It's only 4 in California, mm -hmm. which means I have another 5 hours of work that I can do after my 9 to 5. So yes, I'm, I'm barely making ends meet, but as, as far as my 9 to 5, which is why I had the vision of starting my own business, but there is no excuse. If I was in California... I'd be working Hawaii. I know mm -hmm. it's not a good state to work in, but it doesn't matter. Um, or I'd get up early yeah. at 5, 5.30. It's now 8, 8.30 on the East Coast, mm -hmm. and I would just do it backwards. But you have to find that motivation somewhere. And a lot of these people, they don't have any motivation. And if they're really motivated, but they're super hungry, they quit. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, Joe, in a recent interview with me about his success, and he's using uh, telemarketers that he got from you, uh, he talked about he was at a crucial turning point where, I forgot if he said it was three months in or four months in, he was not seeing a lot of applications for what he felt like was his, his input, you know, talking to people, generating the leads. But then all of that turned around, and he said if he had to give advice to his earlier self, he would be like, keep 100% effort through month three, four, and five as you're building that pipeline. Uh, do you see the same thing in the agents reporting back to you when they're starting to work with a new telemarketer, for instance? Yeah. So whether, and so yes, with the new telemarketer, because the, the, the new telemarketer, you have to remember that they have no experience. So they're doing a job that you don't want to do yourself. And so that new telemarketer first needs some time to actually get going, get some experience, learn the script, iron out the wrinkles, uh, get really good at what they're doing. After, of course, you've replaced, because, you know, you'll get people, so some people don't want to work, they show up late, they just don't care, don't do what you ask them to do. We get rid of those people. Now you find somebody who's really willing to work, is now perfecting the script, so you got that down. Now you're at month, month and a half already. And so you barely have a pipeline, and it takes... On average, it took me, a turning 65 telemarketed lead, it would take me between two and a half and three and a half months to close them. And so if it takes a telemarketer a month, a month and a half to get going, then it takes me another two months, because you'll have some low-hanging fruit, mm -hmm. then you'll take two months 
to fill that pipeline. And then you finally start at three and four months, you actually start seeing those leads come to fruition, if you will, uh, to where they're actually buying something. But then you have new leads coming in. So now you have follow-up, 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 new lead, new lead, new lead, application, application. And it just becomes a machine. But at any point in time, when you stop, two months down the line, you're going to have a break in yeah. production because yeah. you've stopped mm -hmm. early. I have agents now who have bought a telemarketer. They did it halfway, gave up. I reuse that telemarketer for somebody who's hungrier. They find success. That that agent then comes back to me a year later. Well, oh, does this program work for you? It hasn't really worked for me. Well, why hasn't it worked for you? And then I show them, mm -hmm. here's why it didn't work for you versus the same telemarketer with a different agent. Here's why it's working for them. So, you know, you, you cannot quit. You, you cannot give up. And that and that's just not telemarketed leads. Mm -hmm. That's five-year-old direct mail leads. Shoot, ageleadstore.com. You can buy ten cent, twelve cent leads, and buy a thousand of them. Put them put them in a dialer and say, "Hey, I don't know if you remember. We spoke a year ago about your health insurance. You said you weren't really interested at the time. It wasn't good timing. I'm not really sure what happened. Anyways, you said it was okay to call you back in a year, which is what I'm doing. What are you doing for your health insurance now? Whatever." I had a lot of success with the age lead store. Um, I've had a lot of success cold calling. Cold calling is the same. There is no difference. You pick up the phone, you dial it over and over and over again until you build a pipeline. But the key is if you give up before that pipeline is full, starts filling, whatever, then you're cutting yourself short. There's nothing that's going to make you successful if you give up. And that's what separates, going back to your first question, what separates the agent who's successful versus the agent who isn't successful isn't the polished script isn't the lead it's their willingness to not give up and yeah. i'm always curious about why the agents always think that there's some magic some secret sauce or what's the script you're using now yeah as opposed to the script that you were using a year ago what has morphed into the magic now that's making it happen well, see, and so my response to that would be is that, yes, my script works now because I've had 10 years of conversations mm -hmm. to polish it. And right now, somebody sat down and said, hey, can you do a Turning 65 presentation? I would give it to them word for word. The agents that we train here, mm -hmm. I give it to them word for word. If you told me to do a 65 plus presentation, I could do it for you word for word. If you ask me, hey, how do you, how do you get your dental ratio to be at 40, 50, 60%. How can you sell 30% of your leads a cancer plant? It's because I did it and I kept tweaking it and kept tweaking it. I didn't try it once and then gave up because it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I tried it once, listened to that conversation, realized, oh shoot, I should have said this different. Well, the next time around, I said it different. That worked a little bit better, but still not good enough. I did it again. And can you imagine if in February, when we were trying to learn how to sell these cancer plans and dental vision and how to get those ratios up. Imagine if you, we did it for two weeks and it just didn't work and we stopped. Ah, nobody wants dental and we just gave up. Versus now we're in September mm -hmm. and we went from the first three, four months 
of maybe one or two dentals by accident that somebody had happened to ask us versus now us doing it on purpose. And that's six months, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, seven months of practice to now everybody's pay is higher. They know what they're doing. They follow a system. And can you imagine if in February you said, ah, it didn't work, we stopped. We would still be exactly in the same spot versus trying to fix it, trying to fix it, trying to fix it. Trying I think that's one of the benefits of doing uh, information like this to put out to other agents is because when I went to, um, I remember it clearly, went to Portugal with Manhattan Life and walking on the beach with, you know, Jagger and, and then the owner of Spring Venture Group. And they're talking about their attachment rate for having dental with their MedSup because MedSup's their primary as well. I'm like, wow, it can be done. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's that mental shift of, wow, somebody else is doing it. Come back and, like, okay, how can we figure out how we can implement this here? And then a constant focus on improvement with that process. But, yeah, if somebody's given up, you know, month number two of their business. But, I mean, if you just think about it for an independent agent who's starting off, they're building a pipeline and they're building a slow pipeline toward residual income, which is Medicare supplement. Mm-hmm. And they're wondering, how am I going to pay for you know, my leads next week, how am I going to pay my telemarketer? How am I going to run online ads, whatever. But if they're doing the, um, the cross sell, then the cross sell itself can get them through the hard times. Mm -hmm. It can be an upfront advanced money to do that. So anyway, yeah, I think that's hugely important. You, uh, lost the light there. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was plugged in. So it was going to be good. Uh, so, so the bottom line is, if you want to be successful, don't quit. Don't yeah. give up. Now, if you do something for a long period of time, because, you know, if you do something over and over and over and over again, and it's not working for you, then stop doing it the same way over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So you always have to be tweaking. You always have to be learning. I mean, I remember when we started doing Facebook leads four or five years ago, three, four years ago, however long it's been, uh, you know, we were happy with a $12, $15 lead. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting nervous when it's $2.30 a lead. But that's three years of practice and tweaking and getting it right and seeing what works and what doesn't work and going to conferences and learning. But that could also be somebody's downfall where Mm -hmm. all they do is they spend hours learning and learning and learning but never practicing. Because you can spend hours learning this stuff. without you know Without actually doing it. I can teach you a script. I can have you write out a script word for word. That's not going to make you successful. It's the willingness to fail and being okay with somebody telling you no because then you reverse engineer as to why it was a no. And then you fix certain things until you start getting more and more and more yeses. Yeah, we've, we've both talked to agents who are information junkies and they want to continue watching videos, continue signing up for courses and buy every course out there. And some of them even go generate leads, and then they're so scared to talk to a real human being that they, they're like, oh, maybe I should just sell leads to people. Mm-hmm. Maybe I yeah. should get out of the uh, insurance business. It, it kind of blows my mind because you lose focus on what was most important, and that's like getting in front of people virtually or otherwise, helping them with something, mm-hmm. and then reaping the benefits on the back end rather than saying, mm, let me just keep learning, keep learning, and put it off and build my website name and mm-hmm. all these things that agents try to do to avoid the inevitable, which is if they're going to be successful, you got to get in front of people on a repetitive, continual basis. And that's why I like doing the phone. It's just because we can talk to, you know, 10, 20 real good presentations a day mm-hmm. 
as opposed to getting back in the car. Well, and so, and then the other thing is, you know, if <clears throat> just going on with the lead topic, mm-hmm. if somebody's trying to sell me leads, I'm always, you know, glass half full, glass half empty kind of person. So I always try to see the positive side of things, which, yeah, if you're going to sell me leads, you know what, why don't you give me a, a free batch of 10? Let me test mm-hmm. them. That'd be the first question I ask. The second question is, why aren't, if they're so good, why are you not selling them yourself? Yeah, I wonder that too. So if they're really, really good, okay, so now you, you say you're selling them, but we don't see you doing that. So then my question is, well, can I hear a conversation that you've had with one of your leads? No. Okay. Well, um, obviously nobody's going to give up how they're generating the leads, but if the leads are so good, why don't we see all these people who are trying to sell us leads actually working them themselves? Like you never see that. Yeah. You never see the agency or agent who is now selling leads actually doing it themselves. And I just, you know, I want to question that. Like, why are you not selling them yourself? If the lifetime value of a client is X number of dollars versus one lead is $20 or $15, your ROI on selling that lead is significantly higher than trying to convince an agent to buy a $10, $15 lead. So I don't understand where these people are coming from, but then at the end of the day, if they say that they're so good, and yes, they are selling it themselves, show me your 1099. I mean, if you're so proud. You mean the millionaires out there? Yeah, so if you're so proud of your leads, A, you should be selling them yourself, like we are in here, and then B, if they're so good and you just have so many of them, yes, you wanna sell off the access because I mean, you're still paying for them, Mm -hmm. fine. But if you are working them yourself, show me the fruit. I mean, if you're so proud of it, what's what's the big deal? You know. So for an, so for an agent that's getting started and they're um, they're doing their own lead generation, let's say that they have a telemarketer out there. Uh, first of all, what do you think the first steps that they should do to get ready to handle those leads would be as far as their um, maybe their business setup or their schedule that they're going to do every day. What do you think some key things are? Let's say they bought a telemarketer, leads are starting to flow. What do they need to be focusing on first? They need to be calling those leads. So I hear this all the time. You hire me and my team to hire you a telemarketer to where we listen to the calls, we coach them, live, you know, we do a live one-on-one, uh, we barge in on their calls. We look at the dialer and give the agent feedback as to what's wrong with the dialer and what they need to fix. So we, every single day, do that. Yet we have agents who pay us $1,000, and yet they proceed to, I just listened to 10 calls. Why? (laughs) Call your leads. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're so focused as to why somebody, that telemarketer, got a no and what you could fix to try to get that person to say yes and they have four or five leads a day that are coming in. They're just, you, they call them once. When I had 10 leads to work, and that's all I had to work when I first started, I called those 10 leads eight different times from eight different phone numbers mm-hmm. until I got somebody to pick up the phone. And that's all I did. The next day, I'd have 15 leads. You mean your goal was to talk to clients? Yeah, you know oh what I mean? And yeah, God. it's crazy. So the biggest mistake that people do when they first start out 
with a telemarketer, whether they hire us to do it for them or they do it themselves, is they focus on all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you hire a telemarketer for four hours a day and you're paying $100 a month for a dialer, you're losing money the other 10 hours that the dialer is sitting there not doing anything. So what you do is you need to pick up the phone and you need to cold call yourself. And then you'll realize that, hey, I think I need more than one telemarketer mm -hmm. to do this for me. And then if you... If you're too preoccupied of T65 or 65 plus, then do both. You'll have T 65 plus, which is, I think, uh, a easier. I don't want to say easier, uh, because you both, they both have their own hurdles, but the 65 plus lead is the lead that, uh, will buy quicker, but you have the health issues that you have to jump mm -hmm. through versus the T65. They don't know what they're doing. So there's the education part that you have to jump through. The point is they both require work, but the, somebody saving money was willing to save money now versus somebody who's trying to make a decision. Do both. Don't focus on T65. Don't focus on 65 plus. Focus on both of them. And if you can only afford one telemarker, cold call. Don't let that dialer just sit. And then after six months, like in my case, if I opened up my CRM, I have 1,500 leads that I've just never reached. I would put those leads into my dialer and actually use the dialer mm -hmm. to follow up with those leads. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Very successful. So, you know, when we were getting 10, 15, 20, 30 Facebook leads a day, it's very hard. It would take you, if you were to call one by one each phone number and just listen to that dial tone and maybe get 20% of the people to actually pick up the phone, it would take you about an hour to call through about 35, 40 leads. I mean, if you're looking at 30, 36 seconds a call, mm -hmm. it goes to voicemail, if nobody picks up, maybe throw in one or two conversations in there. But, okay, if you put them in the dialer, you'll be having more conversations and less dial tone and less voicemails. And then in the dialer, you can actually set it to where they, uh, it has uh, voicemail detection to where the voicemail never picks up. So you don't have to actually physically hang up. It hangs up for you once it detects a voicemail. So those are all the things that you can do to stay proactive right now. Mm -hmm. But the point is it's activity, 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 work, 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 but you have to have the right kind of activity. You can't just be running on that treadmill. Right. You, Nothing matters if it's not the time in front of a client. Or yeah trying to get in front of a client. Okay. That's so true. So we've seen some of our agents go from trying it, you know, like dipping the toe in with mm -hmm. one telemarketer and then going to multiple, multiple, multiple telemarketers. What do you think the keys are when you're scaling up with more leads coming in for a single agent? Uh, what would some of the considerations be when they're making that decision to add another dialer, uh, another person, add another person and all that? How would that be best done? So how I would do it is in the beginning, you always want to have more leads because you don't have a pipeline yet. Yeah. When you have a pipeline, you need less leads because you have the follow-up. But I've also seen agents, after they try once or twice, they don't want to work that pipeline anymore. They just want the new leads. They want the low-hanging fruit. That's okay, too. I've seen both. So if you're the type of person who wants low-hanging fruit, you need more leads. If you're just starting out, you still need more leads. But, once, but if you rely on your follow-up game, which I think is huge... Mm -hmm. you'll need less leads six months from now. So you may start out with four or five telemarketers, but then in four months, you might have only three telemarketers. But if we're talking about scaling up, that's the point where you get an agent 
or an assistant or repurpose one of your telemarketers to actually follow up with those leads for you. Hey, we spoke to you six months ago, just trying to touch base. You were asking for this information. I got Gary on the line here willing to talk to you. So you can have four telemarketers to start, then repurpose one of them, the better one, to follow up with those leads. So, I mean, you can bring somebody in-house. So if you're talking about scaling, so if you want to be a one-man show forever, you'll eventually have to have less telemarketers because you'll have too much follow-up. But if you're will willing and wanting to grow, you can repurpose that telemarketer, you can bring somebody in-house to follow up with those leads for you. So there's so many different ways on how you can do it. But the key in the very beginning is you want as many leads as possible. So one of the questions we often get is, do I need a CRM? What do you think the benefits of having one? Oh, it's huge. But no, you don't need one. So a CRM makes things very, very easy. But if your hiccup is technology and you don't know how to use it, and that's what's preventing you from picking up the phone and calling, then don't worry about the CRM. Pick up the phone and call. So it could hurt you if you're overthinking it, or if you're pretty good with technology, those things are pretty easy to figure out. Do that you know, at 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, figure out how to work the CRM. But don't let that be the another hurdle you have to jump through to actually just start calling. So let's get tactical for just a second. Let's say you've got a lead. Um, your telemarketer sent you a lead. It's a name, a phone number, maybe what plan they're on or how much they're paying right now if they're over 65 or when they're going to be you know, turning 65 if it's not. Uh, and what would you think are the other options for reaching that person. Let's say you dialed them, you dialed them, there's no answer, there's no answer, no answer. Um, what would you do past that point? So, first you want to get permission whether or not it's okay um, if we can send you an email. And I would say about 20, 30% of those telemarketing leads will actually say, yeah, you can email me something because people would prefer to look at it on their own time than actually have a conversation because that conversation is just an abrupt, abrupt stop to what they're doing, and a lot of people turning 65 are still working, uh, versus if somebody's older, then you know they have their stuff, their gyms that they're going to, their groups that they belong to, whatever. So the point is, you want to meet people where they are, and you cannot meet somebody where they are if you only try one method of communicating with mm -hmm. them. So a lead, telemarketed lead, Facebook lead, Google, YouTube, whatever, that lead, you have to have multiple ways of getting in touch with them. So I would definitely, you, you'll never hurt yourself by calling the lead. But you could also send a text message. So call them, send them a text message, email them, voicemail drop them, put them in the dialer and multi-dial them. That's five, six different ways already. But then don't do that once. Mm -hmm and then stop. Let's go into texting. Have you, uh, well, just tell us how you've been implementing that to get people rekindled into the process. So a text message I think is huge because uh, I could be at work, I could be in the middle of a meeting, I could look at my tech phone and I can respond really quick. And there's not a whole lot of stop. There's just, you know, you can m continue on with your day with whatever you're doing. So the most important part of part about a text message, A, is you've got to have their cell phone number, but B, is get them to engage. So you want to ask an open-ended question. You first remind them as to how or why 
you're reaching out to them. You know, you spoke to my assistant a couple days ago about your upcoming enrollment into Medicare. When do you turn 65? Not, not, hey, are you interested? Or, hey, is this a good time? It's always, ne- it's never a good time, right? So the question is, when do you turn 65? I've seen people take three months to respond to that text message, but they do eventually if you have the right phone number. And so, and you can have that automated, so you don't have to actually physically do that. A CRM, so going back to the mm-hmm. CRM question, a CRM can physically do that for you versus having to write out a text one by one. So open-ended question first, when do you turn 65? They answer it, I'm turning 65 in November. Then the follow-up question is the question, because you told them with that question what you do, how they got a hold of you, what your intentions are, open-ended question, you get them to respond, and those people that never pick up the phone will respond to a text message, so that's pretty cool too. Mm -hmm. And then those that won't respond to a text or an email, um, a text or phone call will respond to an email. And the email is the same thing, open-ended question. When do you turn 65? They answer that question, now they're engaging, versus, you know, if they say, never call me again, hey, you just got to a no really quick, which is, mm-hmm. I still think is a win. Yeah. So they answer your question, and then you say, well, we specialize in offering free help for, to folks with Medicare. Is this something that you would be interested in? And it's a simple yes or no. Yes, I'm interested, but right now is not a good time. Cool. No problem. Don't ask, hey, can I call you in two days? No, you cannot. That's okay. No problem. I'll follow up in a couple of weeks. And that's it. So you have control of the conversation. You tell them what you're going to do. If they say yes, then you follow up with another question. So you always want to have open-ended questions eventually leading to a call. And we've had a client in here that we've been texting back and forth for like four or five months before he agreed to an actual phone call. And if they ask you a question, well, I'm, I'm confused about how Part B works. I just don't know where to start. You know, Ms. Smith, that's a really good question. That's something that we can help you with. Do you prefer we do this with texting? Do you prefer if I email it? Do you prefer if I call you? So you give them options to choose because you want to meet them where they are. And some people will want email. But okay, no problem. I'll email you. What's a good email address for you? Now you have two levels of communication that you can reach them with by texting and by emailing. And then whenever you send the email, you text them like, hey, I just sent you that email with the information that you requested. Let me know if you have any questions. And then they read the email because you, you can use things like Active Campaign or any CRM, whatever, it doesn't matter, that will actually tell you that they've read and opened the email. And so when they read and opened the email, you say, hey, uh, do you have any questions about the email that I sent you? Well, yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, do you prefer me to email you some more information? What specific questions do you have? So all open-ended is the best way that I've seen texting works. Any last tips for people that are uh, getting started, maybe the telemarketer or in the business in general? Just don't give up. You can't give up. And I think as we, I, I think we should do these podcasts uh, more frequently uh, as far as um, answering people's questions and we all struggle, and that's the thing, we all struggle with exactly the same problem. No matter if you're a multi-million dollar agency with 60 agents, or if you're just starting out by yourself, we're all struggling with the same thing, which is leads and having only 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. 
And so if you realize that, hey, these are my biggest struggles, you can actually fix those problems. Leads, buy more leads. If you can't afford them, cold call. Anything else is just an excuse not to work. So stop making excuses, don't give up, and do whatever you need to do to make it work. Cool. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes things that we're doing in our office, they're on this website called MedicareAgentTraining.com. Thanks for watching and there'll be more updates soon. Thank you. See you. Thanks for listening to the Senior Agent Podcast. For more information and other episodes, visit SeniorAgentPodcast.com.